0: Chapter number 1, Romans chapter 1, okay, and uh, we're going to read verses 1 through 12. You can remain seated as I read these passages of scripture, and I'll begin at verse number 1. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separate unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the holy scriptures. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift, to the end ye may be established, that is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word, and Lord, we thank you for the privilege we have to be here tonight, unrestricted by government or, or by law, and, and, and allowed to to, to believe and worship in you as as we deem right. And Father, we thank you and praise you for your son, Jesus Christ, who sacrificed himself on the cross for the purchase of our of our eternal souls. Now, Father, as we gather here in your word, we ask that you would instruct us and that you would teach us. And we pray that all that would be said tonight would be received in the spirit in which it is given for the edification of the body and for the instruction of the heart. Thank you for all these things. We ask you to bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. In first Corinthians chapter one and verse one, Paul writes, Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God. In Second Corinthians chapter one and verse one, he writes, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Philippians chapter one and verse one, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi. Again in Titus chapter 1 and verse 1, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness. And in Philemon chapter 1 and verse 1, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer. I bring out these scriptures tonight in an attempt to help each of us understand the source and the gravity of our role as servants of God. In each of these scriptures, Paul emphasizes the truth that his role as a servant of God did not originate in his own mind or his own heart. The desire to serve God, Paul wants us to understand, comes from the new nature that is in us, the new man, which we received by the grace of God. This is supported by the truth found in Paul's writing to the Romans. In Romans chapter 3 in verses 10 and 12, we read, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. God's word has declared, and rightly so, that all men are unrighteous. All men seek only their own profit and care not for God nor for his fellow man. The privilege and the desire to live our life in service to God is given To us, the same way that our righteousness is given to us, the same way that we are sanctified in the sight of God, not by rationale or not by reasoning uh, within our own minds, not by works which we have done, but rather by the effectual and sovereign grace of God. We do not decide to be God's servants, we are enabled, we are made to become servants of God and this we are done by the will and by the power of God it seems that there is a misconception among many Christians today that serving God is optional that we can choose to serve the Lord or choose not to do so people have come to me and said serving God is okay for you but I just don't have what it takes to do those things. Well, let me end you on a little secret. Uh, none of us have what it takes to serve the Lord. None of us in our natural selves. None of us have the desire nor the ability to serve God. Both, this, both of these, uh, both the desire and the ability is given to us at the time of our redemption. Do you remember, uh, maybe you remember, I don't know, I spoke of this when I addressed our propensities through faith. We talked about the fact that uh, serving God is, is something that we gain through our faith. And, and it's not of ourselves, it's not of our own uh, volition or our own abilities, it's God enabling us to do those things that are useful to him. And further, we must understand that with service to God comes both blessings and cursings, joy and sorrows, abundance and desolation. Paul emphasizes this in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 12, where he states, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Paul prefaced this verse by stating in verse 11, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. You see that word content? So That's that's the key word here, contentment. Contentment is the state of mind which leads to complete satisfaction without complaint, without opposition, or without further desire. Now herein lies the reason that so many believers fail in this area of yielding to the leadership of the Holy Spirit and becoming a servant of God, a lack of contentment. Too many feel the need to satisfy the desires and the longings of the flesh rather than find happiness in doing the will of the Lord. I've been, I've been a, a servant of God in the ministry for almost 32 full years now, and I, I can tell you tonight that it's not always fun. I'm sure a pastor could voice the same thing. It's not always fun to be serving in the will of God. There are many disappointments. There are many heartaches. There are, you are called at times, uh, you are called upon to, to suffer and, to, and, to, and to, to go without and, and to, to lack things. But the joy of standing in the presence of the king and hearing him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant, is worth it all. Paul stated in scripture uh, that he, he knows that the sufferings of this present life are not to be compared to the glories that we will share with Christ Jesus our Lord. And we can count ourselves privileged if we are called upon by God to suffer at times. But alas, many desire these these materialistic things and because of that, they, they lack the contentment to dedicate their life to service to God. Men will work at their jobs 40, 60, 80 hours per week and they'll do this to make sure that they can earn all the money that they possibly can. But so many of those same Christians will not give God any of their time or their talent or their treasure. People will forsake the worship of God. People will forsake the house of God in, a, in a, often a vain effort to, to chase after those things in life that they believe is such a, a, an important need. All the while forsaking, absencing themselves from the source of all their happiness and of all their provision. There are people who absence themselves from from the worship of God in, in, in his house in, in an effort to, to better themselves, uh, and, 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 and in doing so, uh, fail miserably. I don't know about you tonight. I, I can't answer for any of you, and I'm certainly not here to cast judgment upon any of you. But when it comes to this matter... I feel the same way Joshua felt about this. Joshua said, choose you this day whom you will serve. And he followed that up by saying this, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As I was growing up and uh, as, as a young married man and raising my children, I always felt this, I would rather have my children in the house of god being taught the word of god by the man of god then i would have them in state schools or state colleges and being taught by homosexuals atheists liberals and pedophiles we are we we lack so much faith today and and please understand i'm i'm not trying to upset anyone i'm really not and before I, before I preached this message to you, I preached it to me. But we are, we are a, a generation that lacks faith. We say with our mouths that we trust the Lord. We say with our mouths that we serve God. But with our actions, we deny. We deny the power and the authority of God when we try to manipulate, and when we, when we interfere in, the, in these areas of life. Can the wisdom of man better prepare you or your children for life than the wisdom of God? God has given us everything we need. I, I really believe that. I honestly believe that. You know, I've, I've believed this all my life, and I've taught my children this everything I need is found right here in the house of God everything now maybe not a heart surgeon I don't think we have a heart surgeon I I may not find that here but you know what I'm talking about everything that I need and emotionally in my life or or philosophically in my life spiritually in my life I can find right here in the local church I don't need to go any further God has given us everything we need, and if we need anything more, he will provide it. That is his promise to us. All he asks of us is to seek him, to seek his kingdom and to serve him. But to believe this, you must be content with the things that God gives you. Now, before anybody misinterprets me, I'm, I'm, I'm not condemning education tonight. I believe that you should seek the best education that you possibly can. Uh, I'm not condemning education, but I am condemning it at a cost of dedication and service to God. I, want, I wanted, for my children as they grew, I wanted everything, all the best things for them. But, but let me, can I tell you, the best thing for them is God. And there's nothing better for them than God. And if it be the will of God that, that they would go here or go there, then so be it. And God would provide the means and the ways for that. But for me to fall in love with and, and to court the world and all of its many programs in an effort to, to fund my children's education in, in, in a way that, that costs them their service and their love to God, that I cannot condone. For... God is all we need. If we were more concerned about our children fulfilling God's will in their life and less concerned about them missing out on what the world has to offer them, our nation wouldn't be in the shape it is tonight. If we kept our children in the church of Jesus Christ, listening to the teaching and the preaching of the word of God, we would have a generation of young men and women tonight committed to serving God, instead of a generation that is selfish, materialistic, and self-serving. Just as living a life that glorifies and honors God by yielding to the Holy Spirit and his guidance in our life, we must also realize that it is God's will that we offer him our life, a living sacrifice. In Romans chapter 12, what did Paul write? It's familiar verses. We all know them. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God, and this is it. This is God's will concerning our life—a living sacrifice yielded to God and His will. Now tonight, I, as I said, I, I do not seek to cast judgment. I am not trying to um, point fingers. I'm I'm not. I, I I simply am challenging us tonight, each one of us. To examine our hearts and answer the question, am I a servant of God? A servant of God as God defines a servant of God, not as my own will describes a servant of God. Now, as we go through our outline tonight, out to the side of each major point, I want you to give yourself a grade Concerning these these attributes and these characteristics of a servant, just just a, placing a number next to it. Now, don't do it now, but we're going to. I want you to give yourself a grade on a scale from zero to ten. Zero being, oh, you're in big trouble, and ten being, hey, I I, I might be on the right path, and somewhere in between there, give yourself a score. Um, now, in order for this to be of any use to any of us, you need to be honest. You don't, You, you don't, don't worry about it. This isn't for anyone else to see. Okay, so wives, don't look on your husband's sheet. Let him, let, let Tabor answer by his own conscience, Melissa. We, we know he's got lots of room for improvement. So don't look on each other's sheet. And, and you're not, you, you know, I don't expect, I don't, I'm not going to look at him. I don't expect that anyone will see them. This is for your own benefit. I want you to grade yourself and score yourself. By the way, I did this as I prepared this outline this week. Number one tonight, I want to ask you this. Are you a servant of God in the area of thankfulness? Because a servant of God is thankful Look at Romans chapter 1 with me should still be there. Let's look at verse 8. In verse 8, Paul states first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. You see, Paul says, I thank my God. Paul was a thankful man. He was thankful for the testimony of the believers at Rome. He was thankful that the gospel was proclaimed with boldness throughout the churches. In other passages, he expressed thankfulness at the care and concern of the churches for him. He, he was thankful that people cared about him. He was thankful that, that people looked to his needs. Thankfulness is, in all things, is a command of the Lord. We are commanded by God to be thankful. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and verse 18, Paul wrote, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you that we be thankful in all things not just in a raise at work not just in a bonus at Christmas time not not just for a, a day off or for casual Friday but thankful in all things in difficult times in dark times in disappointing times in times when you find yourself alone heartbroken tearful Even then, God says to be thankful. And what do you and I tonight, those of us who are the elect of God, what do we have to be not thankful for? It matters not what befalls me throughout my life, for I am a child of the King. I am an heir with Jesus Christ. What do I have to not be thankful about? I I think about Job and, and, and the the, the great thankfulness that Job had. Job uh, was, was a righteous man, the Bible says. And yet, this, the, despite the fact that the devil had, had killed his children, stolen all of his, all of his cattle, all of his sheep, burned his crops, and took away his health, yet he would not, he would not curse God. Job was a thankful man. Now, there are distinct ways in which thankfulness is manifested in the life of the believer. The first first way in which thankfulness is manifested is in gratitude. By gratitude, I'm referring to the action taken by the individual to express his or her thankfulness. Now, there are good examples of gratitude as a result of God's work. I'd like for you to don't lose Romans because we're going to come back, but turn to Luke chapter 17 with me. Luke chapter 17, I'm sorry, chapter 19. No, 17, I had it right. You forgive me tonight, I'm blind and uh, can't see. Luke chapter 17, and let's look at verse number 11. And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee, and as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off, And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way. Thy faith has made thee whole. We see that out of ten men who received cleansing from Christ, only one expressed gratitude. Only one turned to the Lord and and came back and thanked him. And, and this is a manifestation of true thankfulness. It's a manifestation uh, which comes in the way of gratitude. I'm worried tonight by a generation of Christian people who have no gratitude whatsoever for the things that God has done in their bodies. For the things that God has done for them. When they should be in a, in a church service praising and worshiping the Father, where are they? when they should have the, the joy of, of participating in the work of the local church through, through tithing and through visitation and, and through, through other means that we have to evangelize and to, to, to work in this community for God's kingdom, where are they? There's no gratitude. They're like the, they're like the nine lepers who went their way. Didn't, didn't bother to show any gratitude to the Lord. But there's another way that That thankfulness manifests itself, and it's in the way of generosity. In Luke chapter 19, and verse 8, concerning Zacchaeus, we read, And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. You see, there was, a, there was an absolute change in the life of Zacchaeus, evidenced by not his, his, his um, zeal for, for obtaining money, but his generosity to help those around him. Zacchaeus had spent most of his life taking advantage of others. His personal gain gain came at the expense of those around him. But now we see that the mercy of God has broken him. It has caused him to see his own error, and he now expresses his thanks By his generosity you and i have been given so much tonight we have been given just to give you a short list of things we have been given forgiveness we have been given redemption we have we have been made righteous through christ we have been sanctified by the father but yet in so many cases i see christian people who do not express their thanks We express our our thanks by withholding the tithes, by forsaking church, by selfishly withholding the sacrifice of our life which God has asked us to do. So, how would you grade yourself in this area of thankfulness tonight? But then the second area I want us to consider is this, that a servant of God is prayerful. Back to Romans chapter 1 and and verse 9, Paul says, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 17, we read, Pray without ceasing. Now in this, Paul is not saying that we have to remain prostrate before the Lord in constant verbal prayer. But rather, he is referring to a constant state of awareness of the presence and providence of God. Constant communication with the Father in our hearts and in our mind, in our spirit. It is a state of mind which makes us constantly attentive to our master. Consider a a, a servant for a moment, say a a slave in, in, in biblical days. A servant lives at the pleasure of his master. A servant has no will of his own. His will is to do that, the bidding of his master. He has no possessions of his own. He has only what his master provides. Paul states in Philippians chapter 4, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgivings, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. As servants of God, tonight we have no need of worry. For we have the confidence given us by the Holy Spirit We have the confidence to know that God cares for us and that God will provide for us. This confidence gives us the strength and the faith to dedicate and focus our heart and our mind on serving God. Consider Paul's analogy of a soldier in 2 Timothy 2, verses 3 and 4, where he states, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. The soldier does not worry about the affairs of this life. In other words, he trusts his master to provide all that is needed, allowing him the confidence to focus on his duty as a soldier. And so it is tonight with us. In 1 John chapter 5, and uh, verses 14 and 15, John writes, And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. By virtue of our access to God the Father through prayer, we have the confidence to know that he hears our prayers, and will answer them in accordance with his will and purpose in our lives. A a good servant is prayerful, and he relies and depends upon the Lord, not upon his own abilities, not upon the strength of his own flesh, but upon the provision, the promises, and the cares of God the Father. American Christians have become so diluted by the influences of, of the world. Tonight, we all fail in serving the Lord in the capacity and in the manner in which He desires that we would do so. We've become too involved. And and, and by the way, we, we haven't become involved in bad things. A husband providing for his family, and that's a good thing. Uh, But we have become so mesmerized, so entrenched in this materialistic world. The devil is very good at what he does. And what he has done is stolen away the heart of man from God the Father. I find myself in the same situations. I'll I'll stop sometimes and I'll, I'll think, what in the world am I doing? I'm here to serve and honor God. I'm not here to amass great quantities of funds in the bank. I'm not here to see how great a possessions I can amass. I'm here to serve God. I'm here as an oracle to his word. I'm here to go forth and, and give the gospel to those around me. I'm, I'm here to love my, my fellow uh, Christian and love my fellow man. I'm, I'm here to do things in my body with my strength that honor and glorify the Lord and live in obedience to God and his principles. But we've become diluted. We've, we've, we've gotten too involved in things of this present life. And we're teaching our children the same thing. We're teaching young people that, hey, you know what? I'm going by the next new phone that comes out. These things today, I mean, they're amazing. They talk to you. If you say the right thing into it, it'll give you the right thing back out. But what about God? What about his kingdom? What about the church? You know what Paul did when, when Paul saw Jesus on the road to Damascus? What did he do? What did he what was the first thing he said? Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? What happened to that in, in our, our You know, we've become so we've become so technologically advanced. Think of your great, great grandfather sitting by lantern at night after a hard day in the field. Sitting there with his wife and his children around candlelight and, and reading the Bible and maybe singing some hymns and, and before they went to bed at night and think about how close God's people were to him in those days. I heard a story once of a a young pastor he knew in town and he, so he decided to go visit all of his all of his members and he was in a in a farm area and he comes by the home of an elderly farmer and 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 his his family and as he sits at the table the grandfather looks at his grandson and says, Son, why don't you go and get that book we all so dearly love? And the little boy ran in the back eagerly and he came running out with the Sears and Roebuck catalog. That's what we are today. We're the Sears and Roebuck catalog Christians. We've forgotten. And, and again, please, I'm not, I'm not calling any of you by any means poor, poor Christians, but we have all become ensnared by the web of the world. And it's time that as God's children we wake up and we start serving God with our lives and let all the other things be the sidelines. A servant of God is thankful, a servant of God is prayerful, and then thirdly, a servant of God is submissive. In Romans chapter 1 and verse 10. <clears throat> We read, making request, if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. And Paul is, is a saying here, I'm praying that I am able to go to you. However, if, if it be God's will that I don't, then so be it. Uh, a servant of God is submissive. All that Paul did was according to God's will. He was submissive to the will of God. I mentioned just a moment ago when Paul saw Jesus on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9 and verse 6, we read, And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into this city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Over the years, the, the one thing I've, I'm asked probably more than anything else is how can I know God's will for my life? Now, there, there, there are some... Um, individual and direct callings from God upon his children a call to the pastor a call to deacons these these are not general calls they're they're specific calls Um, however in the most general sense God's will is not hard to find it's clearly stated clearly defined in scripture a servant Is submissive to his master. His master tells him what to do and he obeys without hesitation or without argument. I considered one of the greatest examples of submission to God's will found in scripture and I'd like to share that with you if you would. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 22. We're not going to return to Romans chapter 1 so you don't have to worry about keeping it there. But let's go to Genesis chapter 22. And some of you I'm sure probably already know what I'm going to talk about... ...given the the scriptures that we're going to cite. But Genesis chapter 22. And we're going to read the first eight verses... ...of Genesis chapter number 22. Beginning at verse 1. And it came to pass after these things... ...that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him... ...Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son... Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham, his father, and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went, both of them, together. Abraham was submissive to God the Father in his command to him, and it was not an easy command. It was a difficult command. I don't know that if the Lord ever came to me and demanded so much, I don't know that I would have been so gently oh, submissive. But Abraham was. The scriptures scriptures do not indicate to us that Abraham resisted. Matter of fact, it says he rose up early in the morning. The scriptures do not indicate to us that when they reached the mountain that Isaac began to argue or resist the obedience to the will of God and by, by uh, trying to escape or, or anything else, it just, it just indicates that Abraham and Isaac were entirely submissive to the Father. Now, we could spend uh, countless hours teaching from this event in Bible history, but let it suffice for me to state the obvious concerning the submission of both Abraham and Isaac. Neither of them faltered at the command of god neither of them resisted to obey this command yet today we see churches of christ across our nation living in rebellion to the word of god denying the truth of god's word resisting the leading of his holy spirit today even some true christians twist the scripture to say what they want it to say And all of this is done in an attempt to justify their own rebellion. Now a servant desires to please his master. He desires to do exactly what he has been told to do. And to do it in exactly the way that he has been told. Now there is so much more that could be said tonight. And perhaps we can address this more at a later time. But for tonight... I want to ask you to consider your own your, your own score in these areas. Give yourself a score. Think about it for just a second, and then, and then give yourself a score on your thankfulness. What are you thankful for? Are you, are you thankful for the, the things that Paul was thankful for, the, the church, the, the people of God? the love of, of his brethren, the, the, the fellowship he has with Christ the Father and, 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 and these things. Th- does that thankfulness manifest itself in gratitude in your life to the Father and in, and in generosity in your life to the church and, and to the people of God and, and to God himself? Grade yourself tonight. Grade yourself tonight on, in the area of, of your, your prayerfulness. Prayerfulness represents not, not only true prayer, but it also represents our dependence upon the Lord. And not, not living f- with what we can see, but living beyond that, living in faith and, and, and knowing that God is, is there to provide for us and, and living our lives under his glory and devoting ourselves to the, to the furtherance of his kingdom and the service in the church. And then score yourself, grade yourself thirdly on your submissiveness to God, on your submission to to God and his will. These areas uh, uh, are, are the things that make a servant. Make me a servant. That's my prayer to God tonight. Make me your servant. Enable me, Father. Strengthen me in these areas of my life so that I may manifest myself as a servant to the Lord as a servant of God not giving thought to self not giving thought to, to to my own comforts but dedicated dedicated to God, his word, the preaching of that and, this, and, and the, the furtherance of his kingdom in, in, in every way that I possibly can now this certainly isn't the kind of subject matter that many of the television evangelists would preach to you They wouldn't tell you to give up more in your life to give more to God. But that's what we need to do. We need to be living sacrifices. We need to conduct ourselves in such a way so as to glorify and honor the Father in all things. Now folks, as I told you before, before I preached this to you, I preached it to me. I'm I'm not trying to set myself up here tonight as being the perfect example in these areas of life. I'm just like you. I desire, I worry, I fear. But all these things are needless because we are God's elect saints. We have been enabled by him and empowered by him to live victorious over this world. So let us do so. Break loose from the bonds that, that this world and, and, and the allurements of this life have on you. And dedicate yourself fully, heart, mind, and soul, to being a servant of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunities that you give us to be a servant unto you. We thank you, Father, these things and we thank you Lord because you have enabled us to do so we need not depend upon our flesh we need not depend upon our own wisdom we need not depend upon our own understanding all we need to do is submit to you yield ourselves a living sacrifice holy and acceptable in your sight thank you for those that have come out tonight I pray Lord that the message that was preached would be received in the spirit it was given. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would enlighten all of us to see these things and to understand them. We ask now that you bless everyone here. And we thank you for this time we've had. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.